Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the age of this world and according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we all also once lived in the lusts of our flesh, doing the desires of the flesh of the end of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even where we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up and seated us together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and in this, excuse me, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. God bless and honor the reading of this powerful word, and you may be seated. Is this or is this some powerful words you've ever heard? Praise the Lord. Boy, I love that. I was reading that yesterday. I was about to run all over the place. You should have seen me. It was, no, maybe you shouldn't have. But either way, either way, I believe it to be very, very powerful. Very powerful. Well, I tell you true. I tell you true. I'm very excited, very excited for several reasons. When I was a teenager, I got involved. I got involved with a sport. A sport that I wasn't involved in much before. A sport that I had no reason to get involved in before. Because, quite frankly, I wasn't much of a sports guy unless it was a fake sport like professional wrestling, which is not sports at all, it's entertainment. That being said, I got involved with a sport by the name of football. No, not the football, which is soccer, we know it as, but American football. I got involved with American football because of a man by the name of Seth Lee Richards. You can blame him, Ma. You can blame him for the reason why I like football. The reason why I enjoy it so much is because of that young man. He started telling me about it, and I started watching it because of several people that we had at the time, at the time that we had here in Kansas City, and mostly, and I'm talking about a young man, that he's not young, but I love him, by the name of Marty Schottenheimer. I loved Marty Schottenheimer at the time. He did great here in Kansas City. He changed the way things were, and I, I started loving football because of those men. I really did, and do. I do. Now, the fact is, I'm a Chiefs fan. I'm a big Chiefs fan because of those days, my teenage days. We, I watched football a lot back then, but to be truthful about it, for years, I thought there's no way we're ever going to get to the Super Bowl because this didn't seem like it's going to happen. Last year, as you all know, there's something wonderful happened. We got to go. We won. And then I thought, well, at least we got to finally go. 50 years of waiting, finally got to go. I'm not talking about 50 years of my life. 50 years of waiting before we got to go again. Finally, we got to go. Got to go and we won. Had no idea we'd be back again. And this is a great day because we get to go to the Super Bowl again. And who knows what's going to happen? Only the Lord does. But I do know one thing. One thing about watching football all those years are certain things that I did not enjoy. One was referees. 
I've never been a fan of referees as long as they're calling people on our side. Never been a big fan of referees. You know, when they call their team, oh, you're doing a good job, ref. You're doing a great job. Keep doing it. Keep doing your job. But when the referee calls us, oh, it's one-sided. Oh, yeah, they're getting paid. Oh, way to go. Oh, way to go. Because that's what it is. Don't you know it's always one-sided? It's the way it is. It's always one-sided in your own mind. It's the way it is. But referees are very important because we have to follow rules in life. It's not just in football. It's in life. And especially, and I'm just going to tell you, especially in Christian life, in our spiritual life, we have to have rules. And did you know that God knew that? And so therefore, he gave us a referee. He did. God gave us a referee to help us. There is a playbook in our spiritual life called the Bible, and there is a referee that we have, and the referee is the Holy Spirit. Praise God for our referee. Praise God. A lot of people don't love our referee. In fact, they hate the referee. They hate the referee in spiritual life because the referee calls it on us when we're doing wrong. The referee calls us when we're doing wrong. Well, let me tell you, I love our referee, even though I hate it when I'm getting called. I hate it when the referee tells me I'm doing wrong. I hate it because I know the referee is right. You know how many times I've watched football with my friends or I hated it myself. It's like, ref, that was a bad call. That His foot wasn't over line. At least not much. Well, in reality, we know it was. We just don't want to admit it. Why? Because we're one-sided. We're one-sided. We're showing nepotism. We're showing favoritism. We know the guys in red, we're talking about the Chiefs here. We know we don't want them to be wrong. We know we want them to go all the way. But sometimes, folks, sometimes the referees get it wrong. But in reality... Sometimes they don't, and we don't want them to be wrong. In Christian life, I'm going to tell you something about the referee, the Holy Spirit. He's never wrong. The Holy Spirit referee, the Holy Referee, is always right. The Word of God is always right. We're the ones that are wrong. And when the Holy Spirit calls us on a play, you better listen. You got no choice. Oh, I guess you do. I guess you keep doing the plays you're doing, but you're going to keep getting called on it when the day comes. Amen? Amen. The title of today's sermon is interesting. It's called Offsides. Offsides. Oh, I don't know how many times you hear that. Offsides. You guys ever hear that call? I do. Now, maybe you may say, I, I don't know if I can relate to this sermon. I'm not a football fan. Well, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I really will. If you're not a football fan, it's okay. I used to not be either. And then the Lord showed me where I was wrong in my life. <laughs> No, in all reality, you don't have to be a football fan to connect with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be a football fan to connect with the fact that we're all wrong sometimes. And the Holy Spirit has to call us on that. But I'll tell you this. The Holy Spirit is the ref. Sometimes the Holy Spirit has to call us on a play. And if we're not listening, we're going to be sorry. Don't worry, I'm only going to do it that once. I promise you. I am, however, going to put this on. So that you can know that any time, any time, and by the way, I'm not the Holy Spirit, you know that, but any time the Holy Spirit can, if it needs to, I don't know if I can put this on right now, if needs to, the Holy Spirit can call us. It's there. It's there. And if needs to, the Holy Spirit will blow the whistle. Sometimes in our life, we call out to the Holy Spirit, blow the whistle, blow the whistle. And other times, don't blow that whistle. I like what I'm doing. But the Holy Spirit sometimes has to call off offsides, offsides. It has to tell us that things are 
over the line. You're over the line. You're going over the line, off size. You're entering a world of pain. You're going into a place you shouldn't go. You're going off sides, and we don't want to hear that, but we should. We should always want to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. In John 6, 63, it says this, It is the Spirit who gives life, and the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are the Spirit and our life. We need to remember that Christ tells us that the Spirit is there to give us life, but the flesh brings death. We need to listen to the Spirit, that referee, I'm trying to help us in our life so that we don't give in to death, but we listen to Him and follow Him. And John 16, 13, but when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you. This is the Lord talking to His, his uh, disciples here. He says, but when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but He will speak Whatever he, uh, he hears, and he will tell you things that are to come. You know, watching a football game, a lot of times we say, oh, those referees are wrong, they're wrong. Listen, we know the Holy Spirit's never wrong. The Holy Spirit is God. He is God. We can make up stuff on our own and say, God's wrong. No, he's not. You're wrong, not God. So therefore, people, people a lot of times people a lot of times want to make up stuff in their own mind and not listen to the referee, the Holy Spirit, but they're wrong. And that's when they get out of bounds. They start getting out of bounds in their life. That's another call. I'm sure if you've ever watched a game or maybe you've heard of it, you don't even know what it means, out of bounds. You ever stepped out of bounds in your life? In a football game, if you're out of bounds, we all know there's a great big, great big rectangle and all sorts of marks in it. If you step out of bounds, your play doesn't matter. Well, in this case, we go out of bounds, we're out of what God wants us to do. We're out of bounds. God wants us to live correctly. So often we are stepping out of bounds and we're called on it. The Holy Spirit calls us on it. Hey, you're out of bounds, Philip. You're out of bounds. And I've said it before. If you ever hear the referee, the Holy Spirit say, you're out of bounds, Philip, you say, hey, that's not me. He's down the street. <laughs> no, but seriously, if the Holy Spirit ever says you're out of bounds, you better listen. He's doing that because he's trying to help you. Not trying to ruin your day. He's trying to save it. He's trying to save your day. We're out of bounds. We better listen. Listen to what it says in John 10, 10. I like this. And we know, we know what this means. The thief comes to what? Comes to accept, to steal, to kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. He's not coming to ruin your day. He's coming to save your day. Here he comes to save the day. I'm thinking of Mighty Mouse, right? But that's the truth. Jesus came to save the day. The Holy Spirit's trying to help you, not hurt you. That's what he wants to do. Galatians 5.17 talks about this. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. In other words, so very often the Holy Spirit's calling against us. Calling against saying, stop. I know you want to do this, but you shouldn't do this. This is what we ought to. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. I know a lot of times we don't want to. I'm just as guilty as you. There's a lot of times I don't want to listen to the Holy Spirit. But I want to do this thing of the flesh. Mm, can't do that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. You have the right to do it. You're going to be sorry. You're going to get called on it. Out of bounds. Offsides. These are things are going to say. Here's another call. Another rule. False start, false start, false start. 
These are things that are going to be called on you. False start, you're not, wait, you're not waiting for God's time and will. You're not waiting for him. False start, you ever had a false start? You're not waiting for him? You're starting too fast? Well, God, I know it's God's will for me to do this. Well, maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't know. But if you go false start and you try to go before him, you're going to mess it all up. You're going to mess it all up. I, take it from me, I've done it. I've known people say, I know it's God's will for me to get married to this person. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But if you jump the gun, you're going to ruin everything God has planned. Well, I know it's God's will for me to be a minister, to be a pastor. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But if you jump the gun, you might mess up the blessings he has for you. Quit jumping the gun. How many times do people jump the gun in the Bible? They jump the gun and mess up everything God has for them. Stop trying to do God's job. He's the coach, not you. Go play by play. We'll get to that in a minute. Don't do a false start. Wait for God's time and His will. 1 John 3.20 For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows everything. Well, we have to be patient. Boy, that's hard sometimes, isn't it? It's hard to be patient. But I don't understand. I know. I don't either sometimes. I'm just as guilty. There's times I'm not patient. There's times I don't understand. There's times that I... I, I Lord, can I just understand? And sometimes he says, no, not yet. You just got to wait. And then this one, I, I, I quote this a lot, but it fits this very perfectly with false starting. What does it say in Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Be anxious for what? For nothing. We're not to be anxious. Be calm. Cool down. I, a lot of times quote the, I'll finish this and I'll get through this in a minute. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with gratitude, make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will protect your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Just yesterday, I was talking to my brother back here, Brother Randy, and uh, I was telling him that whenever I'm anxious and nervous and impatient, I quote a song to myself, an eagle song, in fact, take it easy. Take it easy. Just take it easy, man. Take it easy. It's what I got to tell myself. Don't let the sound of your own, what? Wheels drive you crazy. That's right. <laughs> Lighten up while you still can. Either way, take it easy. Don't get so in rush that you're going before the Lord. I'm not saying this is a spiritual song. I'm saying those parts of the song help me out. Another call is pass interference. Pass interference. We interfere. We interfere. Not let God's defensive play take hold in our life. We interfere so often. You know, one of the things that happens so very often when you're watching a game, what do we see so often when the referees call something? When they call, what do we see? We see this. We see that yellow flag come out and be thrown, don't we? Don't you hate that when you don't know who it's against? Don't you hate that? You see that yellow flag come out and you say, oh no, oh no, we just got a touchdown. Oh no, here's the yellow flag. Oh no, who's that against? Oh, I'm sure it's against Tom Brady. Oh yeah, but then when you hear, you hear it's not and you're, oh, oh man, come on, doggone you, doggone you, you know, as my friend Seth likes to always say, booger flicking, not about, he always has these things that he says that stuff because he's sure that it's a play that doesn't matter and we have to not get our touchdown. But in life, in a spiritual life, we get called, and it's not on plays that don't matter. They're plays that do matter, and Christ is trying to set us right. He's trying to set us right because he knows that we're doing something, what? Wrong. Something that's going to, what? 
hurt us. It's so often in this world we say, it doesn't matter. It's no one else's business but ours. No, it does matter. And it is everyone else's business because the actions that we do affect everybody else. We're connected. It's like a puzzle. We are connected. We are. We are. We are. It affects everyone. Everybody on the team affects everyone else. What the kicker does affects everyone else. What the preacher does affects everyone else. What the man who does the, the uh, uh, hymns, it all affects everyone else. Everyone who does the, the tithe, everybody, it affects everyone. Everybody affects everyone else. Oh, it doesn't matter that I stole. It doesn't matter that I'm lying. It doesn't matter that I'm cheating. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. It affects everyone. But we don't want to hear that. Because we want to justify what we do. But we can't do that, folks. We can't. Past interference, it affects the entire game of our spiritual life. It does. What does Jesus Christ say in Matthew 6.10? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done, God. Your will, Father. We've talked about this a while ago. Your will be done. Luke twenty two forty two. Father, if you're, you are willing, remove this cup from me, and nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This is how we are to think. Oh, it's not easy. I got plans. They're not big plans. It's usually going to get up, make myself some cereal. You know, not big plans. But sometimes I have plans, and it seems like God's interfering with it. In reality, what he's doing is set things right. He's getting rid of the plans that mess me up. He's flushing away the things of the world that are getting in the way of his great plans and wills for me to make things right for me. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. Another thing that happens to us, calls that are made against us, things that we hate the most. Oh, here they go. Here we go. These are the plays that involve the word. Here we go. You ready? Fumble. Fumbalaya. Fumble Ruski. Fumble. Boy, don't you hate a fumble in a game? How about in your life? Don't you hate when people fumble the ball? They fumble the will of God. They fumble God's word. They drop God's word. They don't complete the play that God has brought before them. It's taking the word of God out of context. Don't you hear it all the time? They take God's word out of context constantly. I hear constantly, whether it be on Facebook, whether it be on TV shows. Boy, last night I was watching a show. They took God's word out of context. I don't know how many times. And I was like, oh, and the funny thing is I used to watch the show as a kid. Didn't catch on to it back then because I didn't know the word well enough. But man, it's amazing, amazing how many times people take things out of context and they teach it as gospel truth. They don't even realize. They're fumbling, fumbling, fumbling. Fumbling, bumbling all the way. It's amazing to me how many ministers fumble, fumble, fumble all the way down. We're to be on God's team. But how many ministers, pastors, people on TV are fumbling the word of God, teaching falsehoods. This is not the way we're to be. In fact, it says, and listen now, players, listen here, people who are on God's team. We're not to fumble the word, but we are to live the word. It says in James 1.22, you better write this down. Better write this down. Write it on your clothes if you have to. Write it on your hand. I'm not telling you to tattoo it. I'm, however, telling you to write it down because you're going to want to know this. It says in James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. In other words, apply it. Apply it. Can you imagine being on the field and someone said, well, the coach said do this, but I'm not going to do that. 
And then you blame the coach. Well, coach, I don't know why. I don't know why your play didn't work. Because you didn't do it. That's why it didn't work. Because you didn't do it. That's why. People do it all the time. I'll tell you what about that coach. He just doesn't know. He doesn't know anything. I'll tell you something. Coach the Lord knows everything. And if you're not going by his playbook, it's your fault, not his. And you better look into yourself and say, who is the dope? Me. Because I'm not going by his playbook. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved by God, a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And what does that mean, rightly dividing the word of truth? It means, and this is from the New uh, English uh, NET, I can't remember what that means. Oh, New English translation. It says, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth means teaching the message of truth accurately. I like the way they say that. Teaching it accurately. And so I'm going to take a look at this, a couple things real quick about fumbling the ball. The people are fumbling it all the time now because they are wanting to fit in with the brand new team out there. They're wanting to fit it in with the new team out there. Here's what they teach. They take the, the ball, so to speak, and they say, oh, but you know what? You know what? It's okay to be a homosexual, going to homosexuality. No, God loves you despite that. doesn't mean that the lifestyle is okay. It's okay to live in sexual impurity. No, it is not good to sleep out of, out of wedlock. That makes you trash. It destroys your body. It does all sorts of other things to your soul. It does all sorts of things to your mind. It destroys you and you live by it. I understand that. I really do. Not that I've done it, but I understand what it does to your mind because Satan attacks me with it all the time, just like I'm sure he does you. He destroys us and starts to destroy our minds all the time. It's okay to lie. No, it's not okay to lie. We're not to lie. We're not to bear false witness. That's one of the Ten Commandments. We're not to do that. It's not okay to cheat. It's not okay to steal. It's not okay to murder. Murder. Murder? Yes, murder. Even though it's legal to murder. Wait a minute, Pastor. They never said it's legal to murder. Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, really? There are people who murder babies every single day. And I'm going to tell you something. If I was to get in the flesh right now, I'd go up to the people who are murdering babies and bop them in the mouth. But I won't because I'm to be about love and compassion and not the passion that I have towards those children. But I'd love to. If I got in the flesh enough, I'd love to protect those babies. I would. I would. I love those children. I'd love to have a child. And they are murderers. And the thing that irks me the most is that they're changing the word of God to fit Christian life. And that's blasphemy of the highest extreme. You want to fumble the ball? You will answer to God. You will answer to God, by golly. But we are to follow God's playbook, play by play, day by day. That is what we are to do. We can't make excuses for it. Oh, yeah, you can try, but you can answer for it because it's a lie. It's a lie. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for the instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Praise the Lord. We're to follow his playbook. As I said a while ago, God's playbook. He's the coach. He is the coach that we're to follow. I like what Psalm 32, 8 says. 
I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye on you. You know, there are several coaches around in a, in a team. Well, you only get one in, in our Christian life is God. Yes, he uses the Holy Spirit. We talked about that being the ref. We talk about Jesus being with you always. The fact is, is you get coached. If you're not being coached, it's your fault because you're not listening. I guarantee you they're there. They're there for you. You're on God's team. You're on his team. You know, in NFL, when you're on a team, when you get picked for a team, you go through training, you go through, used to be preseason, and I remember in the days, Seth and I, and, and Jeff and I, and a few others, we'd watch on the preseason, and we'd see who's good. We used to watch and say, who's going to make it, and who's not going to make it? Who are they going to pick, and who are they going to cut? You remember? We used to see who are they going to make and not. That's not the way it is on God's team. If you have been saved, if you have asked Jesus to save you from your sins, you're on the team of the Lord God. God's not going to cut you and kick you off the team because you're not the greatest player. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you this. You won't be cut because you're saved by grace. But when you're saved by grace and you know that you're saved, this is not an excuse. We'll talk about that in a minute. It's not an excuse to, to uh, play poorly on purpose. We'll talk about that in a minute. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself. It is what, as we talked a while ago, a gift of God. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Well, you're on God's team. Praise the Lord. You're on the team of the chief. The chief. And he is the chief. He's the one in charge of all things. I don't mean that sarcastically. He is the chief. He's the one in charge of all things. He is. But it's no excuse to behave poorly. It's no excuse to behave poorly. Well, I'm on the team. I don't have to, I don't have to play well. He's not going to cut me. That's what people do when they're on the, the team of the chief. They are on the team of the chief, but they often play as if they're on the team of the thief. Talking about Satan. We're not to do that. Once we play for the Lord, we're to play like we're on the team of the Lord. We're not to be playing offsides. And I'm not just talking about putting your foot on that side. I'm talking about many times people, you would think that though they have the helmet of the Lord upon them, you would think underneath they're in disguise wearing another helmet. We're not to be like that. 1 John 2, 3-4 through 4 says this, By this way we know that we know Him. We know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, and does not keep His commandments is a what? Is a liar. And the truth is not in Him. 1 John 3, 9 says this, Whoever has been born of God does not practice sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. Now, this does not mean that you don't make mistakes. This means that you don't want to keep sinning. It means you don't want to live in sin. It means you are a part of the team of the chief, not the thief. And we don't want to be seen as one of the raiders. <laughs> and by the way, when I say chief versus thief, I'm not talking about Tom Brady. Whoa. I'm talking about the fact that we are talking about the Lord versus Satan. Okay? That's the facts. Let's now turn to John chapter 17. You didn't know that, Brother Jeff, what we talking about this morning. But I already had that plan. John chapter 17. This is one of my favorite chapters. As we're going to read verses 13 through 17. 
Jesus says this in his prayer. But now I am coming to you. He's talking to his, little, his father now. But I am, now I am coming to you, and I say these things in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. We have no excuse to live poorly. We know the truth. The truth lives in us. We have no excuse because we are on the side of the Lord God. We are not to play offsides. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ and he lives within you, you have no excuse to live like the world. You have no excuse to play offsides. You have no excuse to play out of bounds, to have false start, pass interference, to fumble the ball, or to follow God's playbook because you're on God's team. We are to play that way. In other words, live that way. We have no excuse to play poorly. We must keep on keeping on, step by step, yard by yard, first down by first down, God's will by God's will. In other words, touchdown by touchdown until the victory of the Lord is upon us. First Peter 1.23 says, For you have been born again, not from perishable seed, but imperishable, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You're on the team of the Lord God. You're on the team of the Lord God. And you don't need to be worried as long as we continue to play by play from his playbook. Don't worry about going off sides. Just don't do it. Follow him. Follow the Holy Spirit. Follow the Lord God. You'll be fine. I'm going to read one last thing. Once again, I'm going to read Romans 8, 1, because I love this verse. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk according to the flesh, but not according to the Spirit. This week, as we leave here, you may be tempted to go off sides. That's not the sin, to be tempted. But if you make mistakes, and hey, I've done it too, but if you make mistakes and you go off sides, remember, the referee who's calling it to you, he's doing that because he loves you. He's doing that to correct you, to help you get back, to help you get back into bounds. He's not doing that to condemn, but to help. Get back in bounds. You have a chance. Don't stay out of bounds. Get back into the field. If they're saying you have a false start, don't keep starting without the Lord. If they're telling you that there's past interference, just wait for the Lord. He'll take care of it. Don't do it on your own. If they're telling you that you're fumbling things, go to the Word and stay in His Word and follow the playbook of the Lord God, not your own. God does these things, corrects us, and stays with us because He loves us, not because He doesn't. Amen? Amen. And let us bow in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, I pray this day that you will be with us, Lord God. We know that you love us. We know that we are part of your team, not because of how great we are, but how great you are. 
And I pray that you will continue to lead us and to guide us, to coach us as it is. Lord God, I pray that you will correct us with the Holy Spirit and with your great playbook, your word. I pray all this in your holy, precious name. And I pray, Lord, if there be anyone right now who needs to call out to you, I pray they will do so. In Jesus' holy name, amen.